It's time for Drummer Nation. Todd Sukerman, best known as the drummer for the band Sticks, and as an award-winning educator, has a new album out under his own name called Last Flight Home. Co-produced and co-written by longtime friend J.K. Harrison, Todd's sensitive, groove-based drumming serves to reveal his talents as a solid songwriter and arranger, and surprisingly, as a first-rate singer. I absolutely love playing drums, and I couldn't imagine uh, not having that in my life. And I really, uh, if I could help facilitate that and have an impact on your life so that you could play drums, that means the world to me. These Regal Tip session sticks feel great. They kind of put me in the mindset of a thinner and lighter 5A. Go to regaltip.com, order a pair, or go to your nearest music store. Pick up a pair, let us know exactly how you feel about the stick. Introducing the Star Festival snare drum from Gary Astridge, a handcrafted and precision replica of the rarest and most iconic of drums. Ringo Starr's 1963 Ludwig Jazz Festival. Each instrument is authorized and hand-signed by Ringo Starr and will benefit his charity, the Lotus Foundation. Todd Zuckerman, thank you for being a guest on my show. This is not your first appearance. I really appreciate it. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Michael. Uh, you know, I'm, all things considered, uh, happy and healthy and uh, making some music, and here we are, you know. How you doing? I'm okay. For those watching years later, hopefully, um, this is the COVID um, coronavirus pandemic, I guess is the best way to call it, and, and we're all sheltered in place and hunkered down, and you're safe and your family is safe, right? Yes, we're definitely... Uh, homebound and you know 25 straight years on the road uh, I can manage a little home time I, I have no problem with this yeah a lot of drummers are saying uh, what's the difference I mean we're always at home practicing <laughs> it's a little weird not to be able to travel and get out with people before we go any further happy birthday thank you very much um, yeah it's, it, it, uh, it was a nice birthday well, great. Now, now you've been working on an album as a singer that I want to talk about because I think you're taking everybody by surprise. Have you fancied yourself to be a singer all your life? Never, not for one moment. It's something I wish that I could do, like be an astronaut or a major <laughs> league baseball player or something. But uh, I always enjoyed singing, but I was always completely sheepish and shy and aw shucks about it for whatever reason. Um, I, I felt uh, very comfortable being able to do it in, in a background uh, setting with, with guys that I always considered uh, much better singers than myself, like the guys in Sticks. You know, when I, when I sing background with those guys, all I have to do is not ruin it because they're so good. Um, but to do it on my own, it felt like the proverbial uh, cliche dream where you're in front of your school class in your underwear that type of thing, you know, very yeah. vulnerable and, and naked. Very vulnerable and naked. One of the things I think of as a drummer, we're back there, we're surrounded by a lot of stuff. You know, we're in the back, and when you're up front singing, you have to sell that song, right? I mean, you make that communication with the audience more so than the other people, I think. Well, the thing that I learned about uh, singing really here is, you know, my respect for singers was always high, whether you're Bob Dylan or Pavarotti and everybody in between. 
but to be able to sing in tune, sing in time, connect emotionally with every lyric, connect all the lyrics into you're telling a story and have it be believable uh, and listenable is a very, uh, it's, a, it's tough to put all that together. You know, it, it, it really is. And I had never fancied myself doing this. I'd never, um, I have no aspirations of being a singing celebrity or anything like that. It was literally a grand exercise in trying to see if I could do something I didn't know that I could do. And, and really, I, I have to back up. Um, you know, I always assumed that if I ever did my own record, it would be some sort of jazz fusion project, as uh, most people who would take an interest in what I do would imagine as well. Uh, but an old friend of mine from the old days, J.K. Harrison, he just cajoled me for a number of years about, hey, when are we going to do a record? And I always blew him off, um, you know, thinking, gee, that's very sweet and lovely and cute that you think that I could do this. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. But he just uh, was relentless, kept at it. And it, it, I, I just it hit me right at a particular time where I was going to have a week in Los Angeles with, you know, some afternoons off and a couple of nights off. And I thought, well, let's, you know, let's get together and just see, you know, like uh, as a lark. And I want to say it was the second night we wrote the song Last Flight Home together in about a half hour. And it was one of those magical nights where it was just lightning going back and forth between us. Uh, and in, within 30 minutes, the song was largely finished. So, uh, you know, I started to see this, for lack of a better phrase, you know, this uh, uh, yellow brick road uh, be become paved and materialized in front of me. And I thought, well, this is interesting and exciting and very scary. And I thought, that's where I need to be. I, I don't want to do something safe and do a drum-centric record. You know, I'll, I, I might do that at some point. But something like this, I never thought I would have the courage or the ability to do it. Um, so that was the grand experiment. And I had to have a collection of records, a collection of songs, rather, that was strong enough that I could stand behind. That was the... Well, we'll, we'll get to the songs in a minute because I really do love the album. But let's talk about tempo for a second. From a drummer's perspective, it's a little different than a, as a vocalist, right? I mean, the vocalist has to make the words work in that tempo. Whereas if it's two clicks one way or the other, we're probably fine with it at the kit. You think that's uh, something that made you have a different look at tempo? Well, insofar as the song has to it has to live where it it feels the best it has the it sounds the best and has the the most emotional impact um also just the rhythm of singing and phrasing is very different than a you know a constant ostinato from a hi-hat or a beat something that repeats um to phrase the the lyrics for maximum impact holding vowels, where to close off the notes, all these things I had to learn on the fly with a guy who's a significantly better singer than I am. But because I've known him for so long, I felt that I could metaphorically stand naked in front of him, totally suck, and have him guide me to where, okay, now this is good. Now let's make it better. Okay, this is better. Let's see if we can make it better than that. And, and, and be, you know, I needed a great producer. It's not like I just sat here singing into a microphone and going, well, there it is. Um, this, you know, to, to be honest with you, after the very first night, when we listened back to what we did uh, the first night in a, the, the cold light of day, I thought to myself, no, this was, this was a, a mistake. I'm sorry I've wasted all of our time. Uh, let's just drink 
for the next few few nights that I'm out here. No harm, no foul. Let's just have a good time and have a few laughs. But he was like, no, 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 no. Listen to this. This this is good. Let's make this better. Let's let's see if we can piece this together. So he really held my hand and, and coached me through the whole process, which was a massive, massive learning experience from that standpoint and also playing drums for now, what does the singer want to hear? Because I'm the singer. Mm-hmm. Now, I think of singers as living in those spaces between the notes rhythmically and melodically. You know, it's not pitch corrected. It's not auto perfect. You've got a lot of wiggle room there. You can back phrase. Like you said, you can hold notes out. You can slide into notes and slide out of them. It's never perfect. It's never supposed to be perfect. And uh, it's a quite a different experience than tracking for a, a drum track, isn't it? Uh, it was maddening and exciting and frustrating. And uh, when something was good, you know, the feeling of patting yourself on the back, it, it, you know, it, it was it was like doing a drum track that, okay, this part's good, but I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. But it's your voice, which is a totally different thing. And it's what's more personal than your voice. Uh so, yeah, the whole thing was really eye-opening. And it was eye-opening from the drum chair perspective because a lot of the vocals, or certainly a majority of them, had gone down before I did drums. And in my mind, I, in my drummer's mind, I thought, oh, it would be a nice moment here, a nice moment here. Or like, oh, you know what, I kind of like playing this thing in this tempo wheelhouse or a 6-8 thing. That would be fun to do that. But when... I played particular ideas. It sounded like I was trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. And I found that I actually had to uh, simplify some of the ideas for the greater good of, of getting the song across as opposed to let's get a little moment of drums in here. Okay. In between vocal lines and spotlight on me. And then back. Now we rejoin our story. It kind of screwed up the whole thing. So it made me, you know, I, I know once life resumes, it's going to change the way I look at, at playing certain things from that standpoint, because it was a monumental lesson. I knew it intrinsically, but as a drummer, I still like to get some things in there at, you know, a time or two. But boy, you know, you listen to tracks that, you know, Keltner play on or Gad, where they do nothing. It's just a time. Well, there's a reason for that. That was what was best for the song. We all know that those guys can play. We all know Gad can can rip it, but he doesn't have to remind us of that on every piece of music. Right. Well, you get your licks in. There are some great spots in there with with complicated drumming that that isn't you know bump dump dega bump. But uh, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Hey, I know a lot of people want to get the song, so let's play some. Uh, I'm going to steer clear of the internet police and. Forgive me, we're just going to play some segments, right? Sure. So, so we don't get busted. The first one I want to play is the title track of the song. Well, now I'm locked out of my iPad. Hang on one second. <laughs> uh, here we go. The title track is called Last Flight Home, and let's listen to it, and then you can tell us about it. The crew. 
Okay, like I say, I don't want to run and follow the internet police. But the first thing, if I can offer an opinion on that, whoops, sorry about that, we'll cut that out. If I can offer an opinion is I'm a sucker for a melody, man, you know? I mean, as a drummer, we all like funky, cool, hip stuff, but that's a beautiful melody. Well, thank you. I mean, that that's the most important thing to me about music is melody. Uh, if if the song doesn't have a melody, I'm, I'm not interested in it really. It has to have a melody and, and a story. Now, you know, there are funky things and cool rhythmic things that uh, aren't very melodic, but that's a different thing. But, um, you know, if I had to choose what's most important to me, a melody. A melody is, is what uh, creates timeless songs that pe people keep coming back to over and over again. I think so. Uh, take a song like uh, James Brown, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. Totally rhythmically hip. Otis Redding, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. You know, melodic. Yeah, Both are valid, but I'm a sucker for a good melody. Yeah, it's the most important thing. Um, uh, you know, which is another reason why I wanted to attempt something like this. Mm -hmm. Melody, the story of the lyric, those are the, the things that I, I find most uh, important to me and the hardest, hardest to actually create. We both could go, you know, we could write stuff like that. I'm not dissing something like that. No, you're, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. But to write a melody, write somewhere over the rainbow, you know, write that melody in, in, in that lyric. That is a friggin' hard thing to do. And that's the, you know, it, that's the direction I, I, I wanted to go. Something well, this song, feel, speaking of lyrics, it's very uh, right out of your life. It's about a guy trying to get home. Uh, it, it, it's it's the most autobiographical piece on there because that's what we, you know, J.K. started playing this almost, you know, for lack of better description, a Coldplay-sounding piano thing, and it had this melancholy longing. And uh, I just started writing lyric ideas about, you know, being stranded in airports for a quarter century. Mm -hmm. trying trying to get home and then when you have a wife and you have a child uh it's that it's that much more painful those those hours in in an airport and i know no one wants to hear a rock musician complain certainly now uh but you know well you're it, not complaining it, you're just staying you want to go well, home man. yeah you see your family at, at the end of the day I, I i go out for 20 days and i i play 16 shows in 20 days and when i'm coming home I want to get home and maybe I'm only home for three days before I have to get on an airplane and leave again for another 16 days. So, mm. you know, the, the litany of, of, you know, broken planes and uh, missed connections and the uh, missing crew and uh, inclement weather. Airport uh, hell. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm stuck at an airport for an hour or eight trying to get home, uh, that's, it's painful time. I'm not at home. Now you mentioned that, um, um, Singing is new to you. How about lyrics? Have you been a poet all your life? Or you penned, no. penned anything like that before? I, I, I work in a collaborative uh, means where I, I, I'm not really sitting here writing uh, something that's, that's finished or pulling out an acoustic guitar and writing a song. 
uh, in comfortable situations, uh, I'm a really good collaborator and I know enough about music that I could, I could steer things in, in a particular direction. And one thing we're working with JK is he has so many uh, songs and nuggets and bits and pieces. It's like walking through a scrapyard of brand new shiny pieces. Like, hey, mm. this is a cool section. Oh, this kind of fits here. You know, if we slow the tempo down a little bit and change the melody and change the lyric, and that's sort of how how we worked. Um, it, so it, is, it, it wasn't is, just me sitting here brainstorming on my own. Here's a lyric that kills me. Is this your lyric? I can still taste the heat of the sun on her skin in my arms. No, that's the one cover on the record. Uh, oh, it is. I'm sorry. Yes, no, sorry. No, <laughs> uh, it, it's funny. I, I do have to address this because. Uh, that is from a band called Elbow from Manchester, England. Uh, and they have a couple really impressionistically romantic songs in uh, not a baby, I love you type of ro romanticism. Mm -hmm. um, and we were playing that record right around the time that JK was harassing me. And my wife, who's a brilliant singer, she sang in Brian Wilson's band for 12 years, uncharacteristically turned to me when that song was playing and said, you know, you would sound great singing this. If you ever do something, you should cover this song. So uh, that was the impetus to to cover that song. I mean, you know, uh, had a circular saw blade where I should have had a heart. You know, I was trusted, yeah. I adored her, and I tore it all apart. Um, there's some beautiful lines in there, and he screwed, screwed it up. And at the end, um, uh, the silence and the waiting and the rush of all on board, 50 souls to a carriage, and I'm trying hard to be ignored. Then my telephone shakes into life and I see your name and the wheat fields explode into gold either side of the train. You know, there's redemption in that. She called. Mm -hmm. It's going to be mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, that struck me, that lyric. Uh, but all of them are not. This guy got right. me. It's not mine. Okay, but that's cool. But there aren't there aren't any really throwaway lyrics in there. Love you, baby. Yeah, yeah, all night long, daddy, daddy. You know, <laughs> no, no. It's it's not that man. It's very sophisticated music, and and it's it's good pop songs, good hit kind of feeling songs. But you know what it reminds me of? I used to live in L.A. and there was certain records I'd like to play to like shoot through Malibu Canyon. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you, man. No, that, that's, that's a great compliment. I mean, it's I. I for lack of better description, you know, because you're always pressed to describe, well, so what's your music like? And I would say, I don't know. It's sophisticated pop rock. If you like bands like Crowded House, Jellyfish, XTC, Elbow, you stand a chance of liking this, you know. Very melodic, lots of layers, lots of uh, uh, voice leading and arranging and instrumentation. And something to grab you every time you listen to it. Real string section on a couple songs. Was there a, um, did I, a, a 12 string, I'm pretty sure I heard, but did I hear a uh, uh, um, um, sitar in something? Uh, was that a patch? No, it would have it been this kind of psychedelic guitar. But, you know, you, you start playing around with, with some certain sounds and they start to meld. Someone else thought they heard something in the song a, a "Sacred Book of Favorite Days," but my right. my buddy Michael Bayan. Well, here's here's a here's a drumistic story. Uh, there's a buddy of mine in town here in Austin, Michael Bayan, and I know that he has studied tabla for years. And I wanted to get tabla drums on this song that's very you know mm -hmm. beatly influenced psychedelic with a little bits of Jellyfish XTC in there for good measure. And I wanted to see if I could play the tablas, never having touched one in my life. 
So I said, Michael, you know, what are you doing next Tuesday or whatever it was? Can you come over for like a half hour and bring the, your tabla drums? Sure. So he comes over. I can't get a sound out of them at all. You know, I just can't. It's real. Uh, it's a whole different thing. I can't get a sound. I'm not any good at, at it either. And, and then I start thinking, well, you know what? If I get a couple of good ones and maybe we could sample it and then maybe we could manipulate it. And, and Michael's just kind of standing there looking at me and I went, do you want to, you want to play on the record? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I could get a topple player. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I, he was in and out in 20 minutes. I, I went and made, he made him a sandwich. Uh, he, he, he played the track and, you know, he chose little bits that we particularly like, but that was it. And that was a, a learning experience. There's a reason why guys study that for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, what song is that? Let's hear a little of that one. Uh, Sacred book of favorite days, track two. Oh man. Uh, give me a second. I'm sorry. Uh, Topples come in on like bar two or three. Oh, so we'll hear it right up front. Track two, here we go. I see you smile I see your pretty face And I see through the ages I hear you laugh That was the one, yeah. I I thought I heard uh, the sitar was actually a bent note on the on the guitar that made it sound sitarish in there. But it definitely has a uh, Beatles psychedelic kind of influence. Uh, you mentioned some of your favorite drummers are British. Well, I love you know Dave Maddox, Simon Phillips, Phil Collins, Ringo Starr. I mean, those are all guys that uh, were large in, in in the music that I've I've loved. Growing up, and still do. Um, we could go through some more songs, but let me ask you about the the business end of the music business end of this thing. Is this when you wanted to do something like this? Is it something you sign with a major label? You get an advance? You do it yourself? You put it out? How does that How does that work? Because that's all changed in our lifetimes dramatically. You know, I I, uh, I have a small record label that I started for my wife's record, so I figured, well, I I'm the label. I'm going to pay for this. I may as well, you know, try to recoup it myself, you know. So, uh, you know, again, I had no giant aspirations to, to, you know, to take the world by storm here. I just wanted to put up music that I like, and if people like it, that's great. Uh, and if I make uh, the money back, that's really all I was looking to do uh, from a business end. But the nice thing about this is I don't have to depend on this to sink or swim, you know. Um, right. That would be a very different existence. Um, it's just a, a fun little moonlighting sidestep from being in the band and, and doing other people's records. Beautiful. Now, uh, what's up with Sticks? Well, you know, we're on hold right now, like everybody else is. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, if normal life had continued uh, without the COVID-19 experience that we're living through, recorded the new Sticks record, uh, the drum tracks anyway, in Nashville last month. 
So that's on hold right now, too. I mean, we, we have shows that are booked, and tickets that are sold, and promoters in the, the concert industry, they have to take them, they have to put them somewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean that those are going to happen. Yes, we're all dealing with this corona, but don't you think there's an uh, an end to this? There's an out to it? There is going to be another day? There'll be more concerts? There's going to be a lot of great music? I, I think that there absolutely will. I think it's going to be a lot longer than any of us would like. Um, mm. But that's the reality that, that we're in. Um, you know, I'm hoping for some medical breakthroughs like everybody else. I think that's mm. going to ultimately uh, help bring an end to this situation uh, swifter. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we, we have to uh, be safe and we have to stay alive. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in no hurry to run out into the world right now. I would, I, I would happily stay in my house for a year to make sure that I could keep making music and being a father to my daughter uh, in, well into my 80s, hopefully. Uh, it's, I'm, 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 in, I'm in no rush here. I've always known you to be somebody who had all the, all the ducks in a row, everything in order, and, and killing on all cylinders. Now, the last album that Sticks did was The Mission, right? Right. And was that three years ago? Two, three years ago? Yeah, they came out in 2017. Yeah, wow. Three years ago. Universally acclaimed monster album. That was great. And then how about with the instructional stuff? You do um, Methods and Mechanics was another monster monster hit. Are you have anything else like that in the works? Well, I did uh, something called Rock Drumming Masterclass for Drumeo. That was a, a purchasable lesson plan that was that, uh, yeah. yeah and it was initially 26 weeks um over 15 hours of uh, lessons bonuses charts pdfs 15 play-alongs from real records with real musicians on them uh so that was a massive project and right now i mean i haven't haven't even had time to sort of blow the trumpets about this on my social media pages but drumio just made rock drumming Masterclass a standalone purchase that you could get um netflix style binge watch all of them, lifetime access, and they slashed the price down to make it affordable for drummers to be able to get this information at this time. So really now is hopefully we'll never have this kind of time again to get better at our craft, learn a new skill, whatever it is. You know, we have to come out of this situation better musicians, having learned a new skill. If, if we don't do that, then we spent our time wrong, and that's that's on us, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's why I'm really proud of this uh, uh, Drumeo package, and uh, I think it's really cool that they made it an affordable thing for drummers at this time. Great. Now, one thing you did mention I wanted to touch on before I let you go is social media. You are wonderful at social media. You've embraced it. You're on it all the time. There's all kinds of free stuff you're giving away and good lessons of uh, giveaway. I mean, you're not charging for insight. And uh, When you were on tour, they were posting things like almost daily from uh, back, you know, right behind the drums where you could see what was going on. What's your take on the importance of social media? Well, you know, I, I try to use it for, for entertainment, for education, really. Uh, you know, education has always been very important to me through my scholastic years, through uh, drum teachers, attending drum clinics uh, as a kid. Um, and I think that if we have information, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And it's nice to pass along information to help the next generation. So I, I, I don't take myself seriously, but I, I take that seriously. So, um, you know, I, I started getting a, a Zoom camera and recording shows not for uh, glorification or likes on social media. 
I thought now is a, a way that I could actually review the show from the night before, get a audio in from the monitor board so it doesn't sound like, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to sound good. And I used that as a tool to try to get better night after night after night. And if I could find uh, a solid 60 seconds that didn't make me want to kill myself, uh, I would post that. And then people started kind of digging that and it, it gained a, yeah. a little audience. So I, I started trying to find little moments that didn't make me crazy. Um, and I would, I would post them. Uh, I like the way you said that because us mere mortal drummers do the same thing. We tape our gigs and we're looking for just, I just want a few moments where I can feel uh, the delusions of adequacy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I, I get all the time, like, dude, post the whole show. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. it's a learning tool, but because you always say The things that drive me crazy are very apparent. You know, someone might not detect it or, you know, no one's going to like everything. No music is for everyone. But for me, if, if something bothers me, it's it's like getting a punch in the nose, you know, and I, I can't I can't have that, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm thrilled with the album. It's really nice. I appreciate you sending it to me. I, I let's listen to one more. Any you want to pick a track? Uh you know the 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 biggest drum fill on the record would be "Damage." Real quick, a little backstory here. Okay. Uh, the, the song "Damage" started with this little kind of cheesy drum machine. And I thought it would be funny to play an outrageously difficult fill leading into the little Casio sounding drum machine. And then JK had the idea of, of, of making it sound like the tape loop is starting up. So that's how you, you get this effect of uh, the song called uh, The Damage. That's the one that hit me too. I was going to ask you about that. I put edgy fills. It's got a guitar solo in it. Um, let, let's hear listen listen a little bit of that. Here we go. Sorry, my bad, wrong fader. I'll do that again. Okay. Let's listen to a little of that. Here we go. That's a great tempo. What is that like? One forty-one, something like that. Uh, I, I had them written down somewhere. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't yeah. I don't know where. Uh, that's a good cruising through the canyon song there too. It, it, it's a little slower than you think it is when you go to play with it. You're like, oh, it's a little more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very easy to get on top of this one. Well, Todd, thank you for doing the show. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man. Um, you know. Uh, it's, we're just in a really peculiar time, and I hope you're staying in and staying safe. This is what we got to do: flatten the curve. We got to make it easy for our healthcare providers. Uh, you know, thanks to the truck drivers and the 
the chefs, the cooks, people delivering our food, grocery store workers, the essential workers, the doctors, like you guys are helping keep the world turning here. And, and, and thanks for all of us uh, sheltering and doing our place and being smart so that we can, we can be here in three, four years and beyond that. Todd Zuckerman, great drummer, known for his work with Sticks and other great stuff. Uh, new album out as a vocalist called Last Flight Home, where he played, produced, wrote, and sang his butt off. So thanks again, Todd, and good luck on the uh, continued success with the with Thank the you, album. Michael. I appreciate that, man. All right, brother. See you soon.